Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Woo! Welcome, everybody. It is episode 119 of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. I am the co-host, Dr. Terry Sellers. I'm here with my host, Jared Miller. Say hi, Jared. Good afternoon, everybody. And we have a special guest today, Mark Vaughn. Mark? Hello, everyone. What's happening? Dude, Mark's got like one of those... And now it has got a radio voice. Like nighttime okay. adult yeah. Yeah. Uh, risque voice. What's yeah. up? That's what I've been told. Yeah, this guy's got a he's got a job that's in a good, some telephone. That's a good. That's a good. Naughty voice. talk. It's a great. Oh, jeez, like no, no. What's going on over there? Wow, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Sean's messing around with some buttons. Sean's got buttons over there that make people's voices sound weird. But Mark's is great. All right. Uh, we have some notes for this episode, and the next thing down it says Jared is a goofball. What does that mean? <laughs> Oh, I so let's that. tell the truth I, about the notes. I, I do the I, pre-gaming, I, I, the I, promoting, the scheduling. Terry just shows up and looks pretty, baby. And, and just writes a note he in He just writes a note in my note. Yeah, I wanted Jared to read that, but he didn't. <laughs> Mark is from Ogden, Utah, so he's right. all the way down here. If For those of you that aren't, don't live in the Utah area, that's about four, maybe five hours yeah. north yeah. of where we record right now. That's right. Brought the fam down. Mm-hmm. Got a lady with him. Got yep. some kiddos that's staying right. at the Hilton Garden Inn. That's is it right. Four? I think it's got to be closer to five, doesn't it's it? It's about five. Yeah, hours. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, because I'm close to four. So we got a guest all the way from northern Utah today. Yeah. We're excited for that. Big. It's big. Well, uh, we have a segment where we call, that we call New and Goods that we're going to start with. And so. Before that, though, let's get the seller's silly seconds. Oh, I thought Go. that was after New and Goods. That's my sort of my version of New and Goods, but I can, I can do yeah, that. Yeah, let's have you kick okay. us off, guys. We got, we got another segment, seller's silly seconds, where I find ridiculous, useless, unbelievably dumb. Medical studies. But funny, we, most of the time. And we talk about them for about four seconds. <laughs> okay. Researchers in Norway. 1994 study published in the Journal of Ergonomics looked at eight men who sported long underwear and bottoms while sitting in a test chamber for 60 minutes in cold temperatures. Okay, okay. 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees Celsius. So they were wearing uh, long johns. like Yeah. So... Um, some men wore wet long underwear bottoms, while the rest wore dry skivvies. Four wet fabrics with different thicknesses were tested. Cotton, wool, polypropylene, and wool polypropylene blended material. Every minute of the experiment, the men's skin temperature, rectal temperature, I didn't even read that before, and weight loss w- were measured. <laughs> weight loss every second? Every 10 minutes, the men rated how much they were shivering and sweating and how comfortable they felt. As surprising as it may seem, the men in wet undies felt colder (laughs) and less comfortable than the guys in the dry drawers. The researchers concluded that to stay comfortable in cold, wet conditions, an underwear's thickness mattered more than its fabric, but its dryness mattered more than wetness. (laughs) Where do you find where do you find this stuff? Can man? you believe that? I could have told you that before they paid the money for the experiment. This is what I'm talking about. That that's is why I do this segment right here. Probably hundreds of thousands of dollars were spent on that. Oh, they, they got some government grant from Norway probably and studied whether it's colder and dry underwear than wet underwear. That's fantastic. That's my silly seconds for today. So let's move to you. What's uh, new and good in your life? Uh, new and good in my life. Do we want to kick it to Mark? Nope. Not yet. Okay. I want Mark to hear our new and good first. So new and good in my life, we just got get coming a little up. Comfortable with it. I just use this as kind of like an opportunity to promote the events that we have coming up. So we got two fundraisers that we are the promoters and the MCs for. So Talent in the Park, that's going to be up in Ogden, Utah, Mark's Way. That's yeah. right. At the Ogden Amphitheater. Good place to go. June third, it starts at eleven o'clock. The headliners are. Uh, Kalichi, a.k.a. Chaz Smith, and Joe Nestor. I've had both of them on this podcast, so if you want to look up their episodes, um, that would be fantastic. They both had a really good message of, of recovery. And then the next day, so we're hitting the top end of Utah and the bottom. The next day, a recovery concert down in St. George, Utah. at uh, It's the Cox Performing Arts Center. That's June 4th. It starts at 7 o'clock. 
we want to just take a quick second and thank the sponsors for that event. So in our platinum package, Extra Mart Chevron, thank you guys so much. That is a huge donation. We really appreciate it. In our gold sponsorship package, we have Fit to Recover, we have Cloud9 Vapor, and we have Acadia School and Spa. Wow. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you guys' sponsorship. This is amazing. And then the silver category, we have Rise Up Sups, Cole Equity, and the Right Team Real Estate. Which brings me to, now that we're talking about sponsors, our sponsor for episode 119 is, for this podcast, High Desert Counseling. High Desert Counseling is a progressive substance abuse treatment facility with a practical approach. They offer day treatment, morning and evening IOP, continuation of care, and Prime for Life programs. Check out their website at highdesert.help or call them at 435-673-2899. Their facilities are located in St. George and Cedar City, Utah. Episode 119 is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. They have two powerful blends. Mindful mood helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood, while mind shift helps increase focus and optimize brain function. Place your order at riseupsups.com today. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S-U-P-S dot C-O-M. Thanks for sponsoring this podcast. In case anybody thinks he stuttered, there's two UPSs in there. Yeah, it's yeah. A kind of a different People think you hear that occasionally, right? and they might think, he, he said UPS twice. Yeah, he did, because it's Rise Up Subs. <laughs> uh, can I say something real quick before we get to Mark or Sean? Sean, anything we can do about the timer clock? Because I'm not going to know when we're done. Oh, I'll set the engineer to work yeah, just, on that. Yeah, just wait for the music in the last 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Yeah, that's kind of what we do anyway, uh, right? I guess I'll fix the timer. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is fine, though. Thanks okay. for noticing that. Hey, Sean, what's new and good in your world? Nothing. I have to fix the time. I'm the timekeeper. <laughs> Sean tore this whole room apart since our last, uh, since my last time down here and, and kind of put a whole bunch of new equipment in and stuff. So we got backlighting. Mark, what's new and good in the world of Mark Vaughn? Well, new and good every day is just that. Um, I wake up and I get to participate in my life versus just endure it. You know, mm. <clears throat> before that was the story of Mark's life every single day is um, I would just, I would wake up or come to or whatever that looked like for me that particular day. And through the chaos and the hell of the way I viewed my life and what I'd done to myself, right? I'd just try to try to figure it out, and it truly was enduring my life every yeah. single day. It was, yeah. It was long. It was That's long. an interesting way you put that, because most people in the morning, they wake up. We regain consciousness sometimes. That's so true. <laughs> like, we, it may not be the same thing as what the general population endures. They they wake up in the morning, and we regain consciousness. That's or, the truth, yeah. you know, and... And it was just come to. But so you know what's new and good is, you know I wake up, I start my day every single day. Um, you know I'm I'm no Bible thumper by any means, you know, but I have my routine that I do with my, where I where I participate in my side of the relationship I have with my God, you know. Right. And that's just something that I do every single day. You know, uh, wake up, get started, spend my time. I do that thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, just here a couple of months back, I started incorporating uh, fitness once again. Um, uh, it had been quite some time bef- since I had, uh, I had allowed myself to, to participate in anything like that, you know, and I'd specifically waited truthfully, um, cause when I'm not right, I got an ego problem, you know, and I always right. have, right. and I have waited and waited and waited until I felt like I was in a place to where, okay, you know, I got I can go and I can do what I need to do, what I feel like I want to do. And isn't it great to have some <clears throat> purpose and some cool. passion when you yeah. wake up or when you, Hopefully you're not just coming to in recovery, right? No, but no. I think that that's a great point. The difference in recovery is you wake up with some pers- purpose and passion and yeah. excited for the day. And get to sort of plan your day rather than just roll over and see what's going to hit you next. Instead right? of just surviving. Right. Yeah. It's very cool. true. Great. So far, that's a really good message. <laughs> we can almost end on that. That's a great That's a great thing to see in recovery is we get to have some purpose to our day. We get to plan what we're going to do. and make it useful somehow that's right yeah all right well uh tell us a little bit about yourself um so where were you born um it was 
Jared likes it when I start there. The, the old St. Ben's. It's now Ogden Regional up there okay. in Ogden. Yeah. All right. So you were born, born in Ogden, raised in Ogden. Yep. Went to high school in Ogden. Yeah, thank God for alternative high schools. I never would have made it through. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a story. A lot of people have that story, yeah, that's right? That's my story. That's yeah. right. So how, um, what was your family life like growing up? Um, broken, chaotic, you okay. know. Um, <clears throat> I'll... You know, I'll, I'll I'll say this. You know, I don't I don't blame where I wound up as an adult on anybody. Okay, though, that's all my fault. Just we, truthfully, I like that. I like um, the accountability. Yep, it's, yep. It's, it's my it's the truth. We thing. agree. Once you become an adult, <clears throat> the actions of your parents they will affect you, but they're it's your responsibility. It is. At you that know, point. and truthfully, you know, my accountability started young. I just wasn't in a place to recognize that, mm-hmm. right? But that was always the case. But. You know, uh, my, my, my father's only child. My mom had three other other children. I was the youngest. Um, <clears throat> never really had, you know, uh, I lived with, I went to live with my mom when I was very, very young. I'm not exactly sure, four or five, something like that, kindergarten age. Um, and from that point on, and from that point on, I really didn't have much of a relationship with her. She's just kind of been MIA the mm. whole time. You know, there was, there was bits and spots here and there where, you know, I had mom, um, but it was not, it, it, it's nothing I would ever hope on my children, even when it was as good as, as good as it could have been back then. Like I just, she wasn't continuously <clears throat> an active participant no, in your life. Even, no, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and truthfully for me, you know, very young, I developed resentments against women. I had no idea. You know, mm-hmm. I was 16 years mm-hmm. old. I went to 15 years old. I went to my first treatment court ordered, um, at 15. I, yeah. Yeah. Wow. In fact, I had my license suspended. So, so do me a favor. Do me a yeah. favor. Where does it start? The substance abuse this is a yeah. podcast about recovery <clears throat> from addiction. Where does it start? I mean, 15 is crazy to go to your first treatment. That's super yeah, young. Like you me, didn't have a driver's license yet, bro. Let me ask a more specific question. Was your first treatment because of behavior or was it substance related? It was substance. Okay. Um, and for me, like looking back at my life, you know, um, I, I was, I was, I had addictive tendencies and behaviors that um, started at nine years old. Mm. Sure. My um, first addiction was little Debbie. Yeah. She's well, my first girlfriend, my yeah. first addiction, my first, yeah. This is gonna, I'm still this, addicted to little Debbie. This you know, is going to sound crazy, but my, my first addiction was sex. Okay. I was 10 years old the first time. Um, and The first time you had sex? Yeah. <clears throat> Man. And, uh, you didn't mess around when you were a kid. No, no, and, you know, I don't say that proud. I, you know, if my child came to me at 10 and, and said that was the same story for him, I'd be heartbroken. I would. Um, and so for me, addiction started uh, very, very young. And, uh, uh, you know, I had a warped, I had a warped, like, perspective of what relationship was supposed to look like of, you know, just everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I think the first time I got high, I was also 10, 10 was a, 10 was a busy year for me. Apparently. First time I broke into a house and robbed it, I was 10, you know, I had a lot of bigs started, you know, cutting class. Uh, That's when I got baptized, you know, I was all over the board at 10 years old, but but for me, it started very young, and it started. Safe even, to say, you're pretty curious but at that, ten years old, right? All but that also stuff. signifies like a whole lot of chaos. Oh, so much. Most of us at ten would be scared to death to rob a house, to have sex, frankly, to because girls had cooties at ten for most of yeah. us, right? I mean, yeah. wait, that's don't they lot. still? Well, that's what so, I, that's some do. <laughs> but like you know, but even prior to ten years old, you know, like I, I was, man, I lied. Mm. habitual, you mm-hmm. know, and I was a klepto, you know, like all my behaviors, you know, started even prior to that, where yeah. I was just living, I just wasn't living in reality, yeah, completely, yeah. completely separated from reality. You know? Did you have a mentor? <clears throat> um, I'm asking you not a good mentor. I'm asking you, did somebody <clears throat> teach you some of this behavior, robbing and stealing? And so, you know, no. Substance um, use, or did you come to that all on your own? So my father was, uh, <clears throat> you know, Later in life, he became my hero. Um, okay. But when I was a very young child, he he was scary. You he didn't know? have his stuff together. My dad was a, he was a big man, and you oh, know okay. when he drank, he was a dark man. And okay. and I never I never have I don't have the story where like my dad would black out and beat me unconscious. So none of those things happened to me. Um, but I watched my my dad um, behave in some very scary ways as a very young child. Which, sadly, I later replicated in the lives of my own children. It's typically um, what happens, yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, <clears throat> you know, and he was a, he was just a drunk, you know. 
And, you know, when he was drinking, uh, he had the tendency to, to be a nasty drunk. Okay. Um, and, you know, as far as mentor, but I never watched my dad rob anybody. I never watched my dad. Do, and my father never ran women in and out of the house. You know, my, my dad just wasn't like that. You know, he was very reclusive in his disease and, um, and, and, and very volatile depending on what was going on, you know? Yeah. Got yeah. Well, that sounds like a rough childhood. It had its moments for sure. Fast forward to 15, first treatment center. Yeah. So what, what happened? Like, how'd you have to get there? Like, how right. did the judge it's, say, hey, it's, it's time for It's the most ridiculous so. story you've ever heard. That's I, why I, we want to hear it. <clears throat> no, <laughs> no priors. Uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, no priors. Well, an assault prior, but anyways, no drug-related priors. I got caught smoking weed at Lagoon, you know. At age 15? Yeah, okay. yeah. <clears throat> by and, parents, uh, by police, by, by security. security? Okay. Yeah. How does that correlate to a treatment center? <clears throat> well, I went in and did the little deal because I was court-ordered to go and do a drug and alcohol evaluation. Right, yeah. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I even thought I bullied, frankly, but it recommended, and, and, and the court order said that I would... I would um, the judges had stipulated that whatever whatever was recommended you would had to be follow. I had to follow, and they mm -hmm. recommended residential treatment for smoking marijuana at 15 years old. <laughs> yeah, yep. Wow. I would love <clears throat> to find out who did your assessment. <clears throat> well, right. How many 15? Because that's horse pucky, man. Right. Well, it really many, is. How like, many 15 on. year olds are addicted? Well, it's like none. Do right? a prime They're for life class or do something at 15. You're just going to meet more people that have harder drugs at 15 <clears> years <throat> old. This is going to make you more curious than anything. Like there's a certain dichotomy to this, right? Like people that have dependency issues, we want to get them help. But people that are just <clears throat> recreational and curious <clears throat> that are 15 years old, there is a little bit of like they say, you know, if you're a criminal and you go to prison, you come out with a doctorate in more criminal behavior. Right. In other words, he's still vulnerable at 15 smoking pot like. A lot of people are recreationally or experimentally at that age smoking pot. Yeah, that's. I think that's my point as well. Just stated differently, like fifteen-year-olds aren't addicted very often. Yeah, they're they're experimenting. <clears throat> well, and, and at that point, they're pushing like, boundaries. But I had, you know, I tried alcohol just a couple of times. It wasn't my thing. You know, it was just the weed thing. But you know, so I went and did that, and I ended up running contempt. Had to go back. You know, so by the time I was done at sixteen, <laughs> I'd been twice. You know, and. <laughs> And uh, how long did you stay before you ran? Oh, about two months. Time. You stayed in two months before you ran. Mm -hmm. Wow! Like, then I was like, "That's kind of a long time." It was, and it was co-ed for a fifteen-year-old. This, this was co-ed treatment too, man. Sure and I had a full is. head of hair back then. Whoo! Everybody said I looked like Jim Morrison. Lisa, ladies <laughs> did what? <laughs> no, but like you know. So, anyways, got contempt. Had to go back. And Sounds like you were there <laughs> for the right reasons, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Looking at the women. Well, what's crazy is you know that's where I that's where I met my first relationship. Of course, you know, long term, you know, which was a disaster. But you know how that goes. I do. Well, you meet. It's almost always the case. Where are you going to meet people? Where you are, <laughs> that's right? right. Yeah. That's the only place you can meet people is where you are. And if you're in treatment, <clears throat> that's where you have to meet people. Yeah. So, so right. it doesn't work. So doesn't you come work. out of treatment. Come out of treatment, stay clean until I'm 20. You know, I don't do nothing. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> I'm 20. Meet my daughter's mom. So that was you put four years together. I did. Never, never. But not really in a program no, per se, like no. not with a program. You just didn't use or drink. Or All anything. I did was meeting recovery. You know, you go to a bunch of meetings, you hear some stuff, you know, you go over to this place, you feel compelled to speak. So you regurgitated shit that you heard at the last one. Yeah. Nothing, none of it was authentically me, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, I started using meth at 20. I thought it would be a good idea to start drinking again, then smoking weed again, discovered meth. And, whoo, man, that was, that was a. That was an insane year of my life. How old were you when you discovered meth? 20. 20. That's when okay. I started it. Anything significant <clears throat> happen in your life around then? Or a couple years prior? No, no. Uh, had a baby on the way. Mm. And for whatever reason, man, I just felt like maybe it was worth giving it a shot. So do you think it was more <clears throat> impulse than it was? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, you know, truthfully, I had done nothing. I had not poured into me. I had done no work on Mark to even shore himself up against Sure. Any so you're abstinent, but you weren't necessarily in recovery. No, you weren't working a program. No, nope. I went to a bunch of meetings, then I'd stop going. Got lost into the yeah. It just just wasn't wasn't any part of my life. You know, truly working steps has not been a part of my story until this time. Mm. <clears throat> you know, so 
And when yeah. I say work in a program, that doesn't mean being involved in a treatment center. That, that means actively working on improving yourself right. in some way. Right. right. Self-help books, it's step really work. It's really just the difference between abstinence and recovery, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and truthfully, yeah. You know, like, you know, and, and I'm one of those guys like, you know, it's kind of the, the whole higher power concept thing. Like, you know, um, AA or NA or any of the A's, you know, there's, you know, I know plenty of other people that have put, you know, substantial time together, live great lives, and they never participated in any of that stuff, sure. right? Sure. Um, that's, so my dad's been in recovery for 31 years. Wow. You know, he cleaned up at nine. Wow. <clears throat> you know, so that's what I know, you know, um, and, and so, but anyways, at that time I was doing nothing. I was doing, I was working, I was going home, that was it. I was not doing anything for me. Right. You know, um, working is the responsibility piece. But, you know, one more time, like, I didn't even know who I was then. Do you think you were freaked out because you had a kid on the way? Maybe. You know, uh, maybe. That could have been because I never really, I've never really dissected, like, what took me there. Yeah. I think what took me there was the fact that I was never actually willing to see. I never had the courage to even be honest with me about who I really was. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so to take the time to do steps, like, I remember refusing, refusing to do the four steps. Oh, There's sure. no way. Sure. <laughs> And I've suffered for that. Yeah. And my children suffered for that refusal. For people that aren't familiar with the steps, the fourth step is a thorough and fearless moral, moral inventory, inventory of yourself. And that is scary for some people. Yeah. To, if you do it right, it's a lot of lot of stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly uncomfortable. You right. know, and who's the guy that ever ran away from stuff that made him uncomfortable? <laughs> like this guy. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. You know? It's, yeah. I think we're all guilty of that in this room at some point, though, yeah? Oh, for sure. Everybody that <clears throat> has become addicted is running away from stuff, yeah. right? Uncomfortable stuff. You know, and the craziest thing is, you know, you know, I had no idea at the time. No idea at the time. That's why, you know, it's waking up. You know, I'm, I'm waking up to what has been real about me my whole life. Mm. Um, I was running, man, and I was unwilling, unwilling to acknowledge what I'm uncomfortable about or this isn't working for me or what's going on over here, man. And it's, if it, if it would impact or affect the bubble I had put myself in, in my life, I wasn't going to address it or deal with it. Sure. Mm. That's the story of my life. Sure. Or at least it was, you know? Um, so, you know, did that thing, uh, stopped using at 21, um, <clears throat> up in Casper, Wyoming, of all places. Never seen so much cocaine in my whole entire life. Really? Until I was Casper, Casper, Wyoming. Huh? There's so much oil-filled money up there. Oh, oh yeah, okay. sure. Woo, man. Like, so, I right. Never, yeah. The oil rigs are notorious for stimulants, for Woo, sure. Man. Right? And I'll tell cocaine you what, Cocaine and meth. Yep, 100%. And, uh, and, you know, I crazy enough, I was, I was staying in this, you think of, like, you hear people describe, like, a crack motel. Oh, it's a crack motel, whatever. <laughs> this is... This is truthfully the epitome of, right? I was, I was, uh, man, and they were talking to me through the walls and the writing was on my skin. You know, I'd go so long without sleep and it was just that psychosis, whatever you guys call it clinically. I was just truly crazy. Yeah. And, uh, I, we call it high on meth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For a long, long time, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, I've came to on this mattress that had been there for God knows how long it seemed right. God knows what right. there's no, there's dirty laundry trash all over this room. There's no sheets on this thing. Ugh. And, uh, in this, in this freaking, uh, in this dream, uh, I had a family member come to me and say, Mark, it's time to come home. And I came out of it just like that. Like a family member that had passed. Wow. No, still with me. In fact, they still had, alive. Yeah. But they, but they, they, had, huh. they came to me and said, it's time to come home, Mark. Interesting. And, uh, had no money, I had no job, I had no means whatsoever. Thank God for the Salvation Army. They paid $98.10 to get me a one-way bus ticket from Casper to Ogden City, Utah, where my dad picked me up. I mean, it was crazy, man. From the time that dream happened, man, my God was showing up. Like, the lady I was with, you know, I was way on the outskirts. I was going to, I was, there was no way she was going to get me to that bus station the next morning. I packed my gear, started walking. Lady sh sees me walking. As soon as I'm off the property, I have somebody stop and, and give me a ride. Wow. Give me a ride, get me to their house, give me a place to sleep. They fed me, got me to the station on time. People fed me all the way home. I mean, God was big in my life right then. A series of the events, right? <clears throat> you know what, though? That's not, that's actually not uncommon. Right. The momentum of an upward spiral can just be can be just as powerful as the momentum of a downward spiral. And it so is. And we talk about the downward spirals a lot on this on this podcast because it's recovery and people typically go <clears throat> on a downward spiral when they're in substance abuse. But once you step into that, okay, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to right try to get everything together. There can be some upward spiraling that happens too. Oh, it's so true. 
All right, so we're about out of time. We've got like 30 seconds left in this segment, and music's going to come on in about 15 seconds. So um, we'll pick up there when we come back after this, but it's it's interesting, the timing of things, right? Oh, yeah. If your dad wasn't sober, that wouldn't have even been a... Like, the fact that your dad was sober at that time was a miracle. It was. Right? Because you come home to a dad who's drinking, you're not going to get any better. So point. true. All right. Well, we'll be right back. Mark Vaughn's got a cool story. And uh, we'll resume that story when we get back after this word from our sponsors. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rice of Supplements, and the Hilton Garden Inn. High Desert Counseling is an adult outpatient substance abuse treatment facility. We offer multiple services including day treatment, morning and evening intensive outpatient services, continuing care, and Prime for Life. What makes us different is our emphasis on gathering all of the information before enrollment. We do this by offering a thorough evaluation by a credentialed professional. Once we have committed to you and you have committed to us, don't worry, insurance will not dictate your treatment. Lastly, the pretzel effect. We are a brief intervention where we connect our clients to community, mental health, and medical professionals to help maintain recovery for life after treatment. At High Desert Counseling, we strive to be the bridge from active addiction to recovery, community, and connection. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, Co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Welcome back, everybody. Part two of episode 119, we do recover with Jared Miller. We're talking to Mark Vaughn, who is telling us a story of chaos and (laughs) craziness in his childhood and use. And we'll get right back to that. But first, let's segment two, part two is brought to us by the Hilton Garden Inn. Hilton Garden Inn, uh, located in sunny St. George, Utah. It's always sunny at this Hilton Garden Inn. If you're traveling this way and coming through, look them up. Give them a shot at your business because great hotel, clean, great amenities. Staff is wonderful, and they treat us really, really well. Like I, When I come down here, if I don't have a private place to stay, I'm always at the Hilton Garden Inn. I love them. Mark, what was your first impression? You checked in hours ago. Um, well, my first impression was my kids um, <laughs> jumping for joy. They're like, Dad, it's huge. Oh, my gosh, look. You know, We're here. We're here, yeah. Um, and, cool. yeah, very clean facility. And staff's always great, you know, yeah. let's be honest. And, yeah, it's cool. exactly what you're looking for if you're going to be coming to St. George and, and you want to be comfortable and be able to relax. I love sure. the giant outdoor pool. Oh, yeah. I great. think, like, sometimes I just go there and mm-hmm. they know me, right? Like, I've, mm-hmm. made, I've made a pretty good relationship with the – the staff and the people there and I'll tell them like, Hey, I'm just going to use the pool. And they're like, okay. That's great. <laughs> don't they probably it. don't even know you're not staying there. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they think yeah, you yeah might they're be. cool. But yeah, they treat us pretty well for sure. So they've been a great sponsor. All right. Let's get back to it. Mark is, uh, about how old were we when we left off? 20, 21, 21. You were 21 when we left off and, uh, you were in Casper, Wyoming. I was. Yeah. Using stimulants, I was cocaine, <clears throat> killing myself. Doing uh, it, yeah. Okay, let's uh, <clears throat> what let's get to uh, so what happened next, and I want to really get to um, what was the motivation to stop and how, how did that happen? But keep well, going with the story. Well, uh, you know, <clears throat> just to kind of get through it, you know, my, my method addiction was deep, it was dark, um, it was thorough, but it wasn't the worst. You know, so I came back to Utah, put my life together. Um, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was a slow process, you know, um, deep into my relationship, doing my higher power thing, um, kind of experiment with church here, church there, whatever. You know, church really isn't a part of my life today. But, um, you know, but anyways, one more time, I it, get myself back into recovery, right? Uh, my recovery is, of course, going to meetings. Uh, it was NA meetings, AA meetings. And one more time, I'm in a place where I'm going to a lot of meetings. I'm doing zero work on Mark, right? It's all social, right? I'm going here. I'm hanging out with people there. Which is kind of an important byproduct of fellowshipping. 
but you, it is. but the foundation is the work. It is. It, it, that is exactly my experience. Right. Um, it was, it was great because I didn't have to be alone. I had people I could reach out to critically important, especially for those of us that are, or that were early in, you know, even for some of us that have, have a little bit of tenure, right? Like there comes those times. Absolutely. So our guest last week, Shante Colvin, made a statement that I thought was so profound, and it, she she said it beautifully. You can't get recovery by osmosis. No, it's true. Sitting in a room full of people talking about recovery doesn't, that's not recovery, right? Mm -hmm. Like doing the work is recovery. It's true. Whether that, no matter what that looks like for you, whether that's a self-help book, whether that's going to therapy, whether that's doing the 12 steps, I mean, all, whatever, <laughs> D all the above, right. that's where the change happens. You don't get recovery by osmosis, <clears throat> a butt in a chair next to a dude talking recovery and doing the real work doesn't all of a sudden give you this amazing insight. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Well, you got to do the work. Well, because life happens, right? Like, it doesn't matter, you know, my job now, right? When Mark starts his day to day, okay, it's like I need to do the best, I, I need to do the right thing for the right reason to the best of my ability, okay? And if I do that enough, I do that enough, it's like I'm, I'm providing myself with a buffer for when life happens, right? Because pain and suffering is coming. Yeah, you're building up your bandwidth. Exactly, right? Like just because I'm living my life to the best of my ability doesn't mean all of a sudden whatever that God is up there, whatever that thing is, I'm going to be blessed with never having to hurt, with never having to suffer. That's not that's not my experience even in recovery, you know? Yeah, well life, life happens. The, the opposite's true. You're blessed with abilities to overcome difficult stuff. That's exactly. actually a blessing. It's it is. A it's a way to grow. And it so is, right? It's so It's going to happen, though. You're right. Like, it's inevitable. Well, and I want to spend a little bit of time on that. So let me get to this part, right? So, okay. you know, I get myself established with this company. Um, I land a spot in their transportation piece, right? So just make sure I'm understanding correctly. You move back from Casper, Wyoming yep. to Ogden, Utah. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, you quit using the meth because you've kind of had enough. You get your right. life. You dabble in some religion, some fellowship. Okay. Mm -hmm. Didn't All really right. go to treatment though at nope. that point. Nope. You just nope. you kind of knew some things to do and you started doing some of them. Right. Okay. And so and so anyways, you know, I do that thing, get myself established, you know, and you know, I turn 31, 32 and figure it's a good idea to start drinking. Sure. Okay. Well, that's smart, right? Just just really? get married, got a brand really? new baby. Yeah. Yeah, you know, big shocker, you know, and I you know, of course, how we lie to ourselves. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fun. It was fine. Alcohol's not a drug. No. I love when people say that. Alcohol's <laughs> not a drug. No. Man, Wait, man. what? It, for me, man, you know, and, 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 and of course, for, for me, I actually had a period of time, uh, my, mind you, building this new family, now's the best time to start drinking, you know. Yeah. Which, which, with your NA experience, you should have known, right, the clarity statement. Well, Alcohol okay, so, is a drug. Okay, but you're, yeah, so you're, um, in retrospect, you, you know all that stuff now, right? But oh, yeah. The other thing is, with the, your genetics. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Alcohol Every was never going to be a good idea no, for you. No, no. And, and one more time, how 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 nobody lies to Mark better than Mark. Right. Oh, Nobody's yeah. deceived me better than I have. Okay. Uh, I am, I am the perpetrator in my life, and I always have been. You know, and this isn't everybody's story, right? But there's been nothing I've suffered, nothing I've endured at the hands of other people, whether it's lies, deceit, brutality, whatever that is, right? That I haven't done myself. Okay, so I don't. I haven't arrived in this chair today with you and in innocent in any way, shape, or form. Okay, right. um, I'm grateful for that truth today. Um, but anyways, you know, so I started drinking, you know, and it was fine for a little while, and you know, I went away, and you know, through that drinking, I pissed away a 14 year career. You know, I was uh, a, I was a transportation, the hiring supervisor for for the transportation department of an of a it, it's an it's a massive company, right? And they're all over the Midwest. Um, and, uh, you know, destroyed that career. I'd, I'd worked long and hard to get myself there. You know, um, I am the entity that introduced terror into the lives of my children. It wasn't some stranger. It wasn't some event outside of my home. It was me through my drinking and my rage. You know, and, and fortunately, I can say that I didn't come home and just beat the hell out of my kids. You know, um, there was there were a few times. There was one time specifically I hit their mother. I went to jail for it, you know, rightly so. Um just the whole chaotic dynamic of that thing. And, uh, it's almost like you were repeating a behavior that you were raised in. Oh man. You know, and I never watched my dad beat anybody up. He did all that outside of my presence. Did you ever um, correlate that though? Well, yeah, absolutely. The, you know, but you know, the, the thing is, is in my opinion now with a clearer mind, I was, man, I was a worse 
um, example of the depth of it than even my father was. Mm. And I saw some terrifying stuff with that. Um, you know, but my dad came into recovery at 30, you know, he's 31 years in, you know, this is the man that taught me how to say, I'm sorry, how to be wrong, how to make amends, how to say, I love you, you know? So he also modeled some great behaviors. He's my hero. You know, he is my hero. He showed, he showed me how to be a father and the, the kind of father that I actually strive to be. And I fall way short sometimes, but, but anyways, you know, um, the, the, the chaotic dynamic with, the with, the their mother, you know, that whole relationship, man, that whole relationship was a huge part of my sickness. You know, you know, I found, I discovered when I came into recovery, um, and started working steps in my life that, you know, I was so powerless, but I, I realized that I started losing power over Mark when I was sacrificing those things most important to me on behalf of people place thing, whatever that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Until I did that so long and so completely where I had zero power to stop on my behalf at all period. That's my experience. You know, you know, I came into recovery and, um, I met a, I met a guy that I liked. I wanted him to work. I wanted him to work the steps, the 12 steps of recovery with me. You know, this was a man that I paid attention to. I listened to when I went to meetings. Um, had you worked the steps before? uh, No, 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 no. Well, I I had been up into, to Valley camp, which is a a well-known treatment facility up in Eden. Um, back in 2018, I'd got through. That's actually the, the town in the park. Mm -hmm. So so the Shannon, Shannon J, um, scholarship helps people get into Valley camp where you're talking about. Love that place. Love that place. Um, I, and I had, I had done a very thorough four step, but I had missed this this part of my life completely. I, I wasn't even in a place where I could, I could view it, um, realistically. And it kept me really sick. Right. Um, but anyways, so I come into recovery this time and I meet a man, I meet a man that I'm listening. And it wasn't just this guy look cool or he's driving fancy stuff. None of those things. I, I met somebody that I paid attention to for a while and I asked him if he was willing to work with me. And, uh, <laughs> his, you know, his response was, I'm not saying no. <laughs> he says, <laughs> let's schedule a time in which we can talk. And I'm like, that's good enough for me. Cool. You know? And so, you know, we, we, we meet up and, uh, we have ourselves just a conversation, you know, and it was a very candid conversation about some things. And it was at the end of that conversation. He says, you know, Mark, I I will work with you, you know? So essentially he laid out some expectations for you. Well, absolutely. If he's going to work with you, here's what I need from you. Right. Well, and and truthfully, he, he tells me, you know, I, I brought a cloud with me, you know, I was not a happy person, Mm. you know, uh, I had the, the male equivalent of RBF bad, right. And the way that I shared, I shared from that place and, uh, and he wanted to get an idea of the kind of person that I was, you know, what I was being, what I was willing to do. Yeah. Expectations. Right. You know, and And he kind of wanted to fill you out. He did, you know, especially if he's going to be alone spending time digging into uncomfortable stuff because he don't know me. He don't know what I'm capable of. Sure. And so, and thus the journey begins, you know, and I'll tell you guys what, um, that phase of my life, you know, um, I had so much going on, you know, uh, I had just had major shoulder surgery. So it brought me to zero on the physical front. Um, you know, I was going through a divorce. There was all this, there was all this dynamic in my life and now I'm doing my four step. Right. Right. And, um, and you know, all my life, you know, I was haunted, right? You know, you know, you guys know what that is, right? Like something will come to my mind and I'll snap my mind away from it real quick because I'm not going there. Truly haunted about so much. And so in, in having cultivated that, that behavior inside of myself, I had never had or developed the, the fortitude. I don't know if that's the right word to, to deal with and address those things that are uncomfortable, whether it's memories, behaviors, things that I had done or participated in that I felt any kind of way about. Right. And you know, if it didn't fuel my ego, you know, uh, I, I did not have almost lack the capacity almost to even really take a look. And so in, in my process, my four step process, that fearless and thorough, more, more limitory, I discovered something that was always true. I just didn't know it, that I had the ability to look at those shameful, pathetic, dark, um, uh, treacherous, whatever those, those, those non, um, those not so glamorous aspects of my life. And I lived through it 
you know, I got to address the darkest things in my life and realize that actually I'm okay. And I had no idea. I had no idea. Sounds like that four step kind of killed some of that ego. It was beautiful. Woke you up to re the reality of life. <clears throat> it's true. And the things you know? that had happened, things you've been running away from. Well, and, and you know, it's like I've, I've lived all my life with these ridiculous misconceptions about who I am, the way I was oriented to the world around me. And it was because I was completely topsy-turvy as to how I was oriented to, to the man I was born to be. You know, I can't sit here and look you two in the face today and, and, ha and tell you I have a clear understanding of who that man is supposed to be or is yet. Right. This is a this is evolution in the process. You know, uh, that's my spirituality. That's my parenthood. That's me as a man. That's Mark as a person. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's evolution in process. Right. But but this evolution, Mark's evolution, um, the key components of it are being accountable to me for what I do. You know, the greatest tragedies of Mark's life are not the things I've done. It's the things that I should have done but did not do. Mm. In that, I robbed myself more than any other way. There was so many things that I should have done or I should have applied myself to that I just didn't because I was ruled by fear and doubt or self-loathing. You know, and that's, that's the craziest thing, you know, in my active addiction um, uh, or alcoholism, whichever phase that was, um, you know, in this hand, I was, I was all those ugly things. But on the other side of it, I was, I was the gift, you know, it's just that ridiculous contradiction within myself, you know, and it's no wonder my life was complete and utter chaos all around me, you know, and, you know, I, I sacrificed my 15 year old to that, to that relationship and, and that alcoholism, you know, and, uh, and I, I hurt that boy so horribly, you know, I hurt, I hurt my, my kids' mom so much. You know, luckily for me, I'm fortunate in my nine-year-old, my seven-year-old, they were too young to remember dad at his worst. Thank right. God. That's a mercy. Right. Um, you know, but one more time, you know, I have the freedom, and it is a freedom today, to be able to acknowledge that I was the monster in my life. And I can very well be the monster in my life today, you know. But, but, but waking up to the truth and, and folks, it is, it has always been the truth that no matter who you are, you know, wh when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, regardless of what's happened, you know, I've got my share of trauma that I had no choice in. You know, I was in foster care when I was a very young child and they weren't good people, you know, excuses, excuses. Yeah. Horrific. Right. Um, but at 30 years old, at 40 years old, at 50 years old, the man looking back at me, Whoever that man is, is my fault, whether it's good or it's bad. I'm grateful to know that truth today. And it was always the truth. I just didn't even know it, you know? And, and so like this evolution that I'm talking about, you know, it's, it's, it's massive. It, it's the most, it, it's the most incredible journey I've ever undertaken. And I've gone nowhere. It's just been inside me. Right. I think the, the key yeah, to the key to the, the point you're making now though, is the awareness. Oh yeah. Today you can look back and you have that awareness. I tell people all the time, a big part of recovery is you've, you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to find some self-love, you know, had you have known better at the time, maybe you would have done better. <clears throat> like today you can look back and kind of put those pieces together, but you know, well, that, it's true though. Hindsight's Jay. 20, 20. It is, you know, <clears throat> and I, I, I remember, or, or like, looking back to that person that was that refused adamantly and you know you know how it goes like i was that guy if i wanted to do it i was doing it period i don't care if you're gonna cry about it whatever right it didn't matter and if i didn't want to do it your tears mean nothing i'm doing i'm not doing it period right, right. and just refusing to do this four step you know and and had i truthfully honestly applied myself to that program or any program but we'll say that one because that's the one that was in front of me Right. That's the one I was introduced to at nine with my dad. Um, how different my life would have meant would have been. You know, I took the ASVAB in high school. You know, I had the United States Navy call me at 17 years old and they wanted me to come into their office. They wanted to discuss their nuclear arms programs with me. But by that time, I'd committed 10 felonies and they were charging me as an adult, you know, and blah, 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 blah. You know, and I completely robbed myself of 
maybe the career of a lifetime. Who knows, right? And I did it again with that with that uh, transportation piece. I think that one day you'll look back and everything <clears throat> you've been through will all make sense. I truly believe that because I don't I think anything that. happens by accident. I think if, if your route was meant to be to go to the Navy at 17 or whatever, uh, you know, all the different the different options, like that's what would have happened. For some reason, and I don't know why, but I, I do believe that one day you'll look back and go, it makes sense now. Well, and, and truthfully, and I believe that there's purpose and meaning in everything, right? Now, if I never do anything to wake up, to, to be accountable, to do what I need to do for me, to do this recovery thing, <clears throat> who knows what that, person, that, that purpose and meaning could be or could have been, right? I think the way that I think it's predicated, at least my belief now, is the, on how I orient myself to me and then to the world around me. Like, I got to straighten me out first or I'm going to see everything skewed. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. um, the, a lot of it depends on that lens you're looking through. So we got, we got a, a little bit of time left here. I think you're walking into a lot of this stuff about learning about yourself. Yeah. You've got around what, eight months, 18 months. Yep. Correct. Just about, about 18 months underneath your belt. Congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about how it was. Mm -hmm. We talked about what happened. Mm -hmm. How is it now? Well, how, it, how is it now is, um, you know, now I have freedom, you know, and freedom. I mean, we're all free, right? No, maybe not. Right. I, I pack my prison around with me everywhere I go. Mm. You know, now I'm free to be able to wake up and to decide, okay, which direction am I going to go? Where am I going to apply myself? You know, is it going to be here? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be here? You know, I've got some big things coming up. You know, there's some big moves going on in Mark's personal life. That's going to provide me with some opportunity. Um, and there it is, is today I have opportunity and it's, and that's gotta be it. You know, now, now I actually get to be a father, right? Cause I'm in love with my children and I was the one proclaiming from the rooftops how much I love these children, but I was the terror in their lives right. due to my choices. But today I am in love with my children and I get to teach them about accountability and how to be honest and that it's okay, you know, and that I love them and, and they're safe with me. You know, that's, that's a blessing I get to enjoy every single day, right? I, I read to my boys at night before bed. Like, it's the simplest, simplest thing ever, but it brings me such great joy as a man, as a human, you know, because, because I have stewardship over these little boys right now, right? I get to guide them and lead them and, 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 and teach them and to help prepare them for the world that they're in that they're going to inherit from me. Right. And, and, you know, and I've made a promise to them. I will never lie to them. And they've asked me some uncomfortable questions, you know, but today I get to, of course, age appropriate. I get to be completely real with my children because I don't need to make myself out to be something I'm not because right. I don't want them to grow up thinking that's what they have to do. You know, I don't want them to bear that burden. You know, um, I get to be able to have a discussion with their mother, you know, all the chaos that that relationship was. And come to an understanding as to what it is her and I both really want individually and collectively for our children. You know, the co-parent effectively. Well, and truthfully and to explore more, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to be this or it's not going to be this. I don't know what that is right now. Right. But it's it's I'm sober. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm paying attention inside and I'm, I'm paying attention to not my, my emotions don't govern me today, but they participate in how I'm governed. Hmm. You know, I how it is for me today is I get to, I get to wake up, I get to be conscious, you know, and I get to actually make, I, I, I can think objectively about what it is I'm doing today and then follow through, you know, I, I'm incorporating some things that require discipline into my daily, into my daily routine. And then I'm sticking to it. What? Like what? Right. No, oh, okay. That is possible. Yeah. You know, I, it's little things like that. I like something you're saying and I, I, I want, I know we're in a nice flow and I don't want to no, stop good. it, but man, I treat people every day who 40 years old, 50 years old, 30 years old. My mom did this. My dad did this. Mm. My mom did this. People, you're 30, 40 and 50. Yeah. You're an adult now. Mm -hmm. And you might've had some tragedy as a child that was really painful and difficult, but your message is you're responsible for you right now. 100%. You are not the things that happened to you. Right. You if you leave substances out of your life, your mind is clear enough that you get to choose the direction you're going. You don't necessarily get to choose the outcome, 
the outcome will be what it is. Mm -hmm. But you get to choose the direction. That's right. And, and if you're choosing the correct direction, the outcome's usually going to be pretty good. Well, that's exactly, right? that's it. You know, it's like I get to be an active, sober participant as opposed to just waking up, muddling through, enduring what comes. You know, that was my life, you know. Um, but today, that's not my life, you know. Um, you know, I was talking to Jared on the way in. I won't go into it, you know. But, you know, I've got some opportunity coming my way um, once we get through a couple of different things on the personal side of Mark's life, right? And, you know, there's a lot of uncertainties and all these different things that are associated with the unknown that we all have, right? Um, but today, what it's like for Mark is I get to wake up and I write to my God, you know, and one more time, I'm no Bible thumper, right? I don't, I don't think the, the entity that is gives a damn if there is even an entity, right? And I get to say that without be, having some sort of fear of spiritual repercussion, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, and, but I get to orient myself to that thing. And then I get to move on what it is I'm trying to accomplish right. with that thing, you know, and, uh, and, and then I get to, I get to, you know, focus on my kids. I get to focus on where Mark's going to go professionally. You know, I get to focus on those big things because the, go ahead. No, before we get out of here, though, uh, tell me your kids' names. Um, Amber, Zane, Isaac, and Enoch. I've got four of them. You got four. From How old Amber? 20. Zane? He's 15. Okay. Isaac? He's nine. And Enoch? He's seven. Wow. You're a blessed dude, man. Yeah. Wow, that's great stuff. Yeah, I'm done being blessed, bro. Like, I am <laughs> done. <laughs> I've, I've done my part. Yes, you have. But that's that <laughs> right there is the blessings of recovery, Amen. right? You're an active participant and an influencer in somebody else's life, and you get to teach them the way to be a man. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that uh, I, I just love the level of accountability that yeah. I think that's been a game changer for you. You know what I mean? Is that that level of accountability and realizing that maybe you're in love with your own misery and it's time to stop that. He's so. obviously been uh, done a lot of inner work for sure. Yeah. What any last thing you'd like to leave? You know, I think life is as good as we make it. You know, the luckiest people are the ones that work the hardest. And uh, I think it's completely up to us where we go. Thanks, guys. Man, that was beautiful. I love that. Mark Vaughn, thanks for coming all the way from Ogden. Uh, and we will leave you with that and see you next week. See ya. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from... A podcast studio.